Turns out being married does not guarantee good communication when in an elimination on the challenge. Plus, Nelson is giving toast. Amber finally has an ally in the challenge house. Casey gets COVID. There's a new Johnny in town, and he's winning dailies and starting love triangles. TJ is bringing the jokes and the twist, and Team Dave gets off to a hot start. It's the Challenge Ride or Die's premiere episode recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV flagship, The Challenge, baby. Past, present, or future. If it's happening in the challenge universe, we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me this evening on this wonderful day, this momentous day. Season 38, Ride or Dies is here. The flagship is back, baby. And so is the challenge historian to document it. All. We've got the flagship. We're watching on MTV. I will admit, I got a little used to being able to fire up that Paramount Plus. I had to remember that I do still have access to a cable platform somewhere, somehow. Thank you, YouTube and Google and Alphabet, whoever owns all of that, for providing MTV on YouTube TV. That was a big time savior when I thought earlier this week, wait, can I actually watch the challenge on MTV. I haven't had to think about that there for a minute, but I did. I hope, obviously, if you're here, you did too. Any day where we get the premiere episode of a flagship challenge season is one of the best days of the year. It's just one of the best days overall. And thankfully, this one, so far, so good. Loved the first episode. We're going to get into everything. Episode one, right here, right now, tonight, or whenever you are now listening to this. It's still night for me. I'm recording right after the episode, as I will be doing all season long. Every Wednesday night, immediately after the episode airs, we will be recording here in studio and getting that out to you as fast as we possibly can so the first thing Thursday morning when you get up it'll be right there waiting for you that is really the only programming note I got ahead of myself but there you go that's your programming note along with that know that cutthroat the rewatch series continues next Monday with cutthroat season 20 we've entered the 20s hallelujah we're making some real progress we're over halfway done it's been forever but it's been amazing as well so cutthroat next Monday Rider dies Wednesday nights. Survivor recap Saturday morning on the most likely two feed. That's what we got going on for the time being. As for tonight's episode, the agenda for how we're going to do it, classic challenge historian episode recap agenda coming at you here. Same as we've pretty much done the last couple seasons, be it Challenge USA, All-Stars, Flagship, whatever it's been. We've got our Cliff Notes recap running through everything that went down plot-wise. We've got thoughts and opinions and storylines all the way through the episode. Anything that matters, we're going to discuss it. We're going to give my opinions on it. Then we'll, of course, hand out some awards, quote, moment, episode MVP, that kind of thing, and then power rankings and predictions on the back end. So, sound good to you? Sounds great to me. I'm so thrilled. I can't believe we're finally here. This is what our, is this our fourth challenge season this calendar year? This is amazing, amazing stuff. I'm so happy to have the flagship back. And I'm so happy that through one episode, so far, so good, really liked it. Quick reminder, if you watched the launch special back on Monday and you had thoughts or feelings about that, I did a recap covering that. So that was all on Monday. We're not going to be covering that here tonight. We might reference it a time or two, but if you missed that, either the actual episode or my recap, feel free to go back and watch both of those. As for this, all episode one, all night long, here we go. Let's get into it. We start with our Cliff Notes recap. There's a lot that goes on every episode of The Challenge, but certainly a Challenge premiere episode. So much has happened. Let's cover it all. Let's make sure you remember everything that went down plot-wise as quickly as we can. Here we go. Episode 1, Rider Dies. Cliff Notes recap. 3, 2, 1. 
and we're off. We open, and we're on two boats, except we only see one of the boats, which is kind of strange. Anyways, Michelle, Laurel, Kayla, Nelson, Tommy, and Annalise, Fessy, and Mariah all get introductions, but then we're interrupted by Turbo, who is upset at Laurel for not pouring him a glass of champagne. What are you doing, Laurel? Come on. He lets it be known, and he says he will beat every single person there in elimination. Okay, to the house we go. It's a classic sprint inside. Rooms are divided up, and we find out Jay and rookie Johnny are buddies outside of the show. Key note, Johnny and his partner Raven have a complicated relationship status made more complex by the fact that Johnny fell in love with Narice on the plane. They were making out then. Now they're making out now inside the challenge house. There's a party. Tori talks to some people, and then Nelson gives the inaugural toast. The next day, Fessy and Colleen hot tub together, where she claims she has been on Love Island, and that's it which is a bold-faced lie, one she thinks she will get away with. But too bad Laurel's BFF Jack is here, and he did his homework. He knows that, in fact, she was not only on the mole, she was the titular mole character on the mole in Germany. To the Daily Challenge we go. Casey and Kenny have been kicked out for COVID, I guess. So in their place, we get two teams? Makes sense. Nam is back with rookie partner Emmy and rookie pair Olivia and Horacio are here as well. They all play bolas for blood. You've got three questions to answer. All of them come with a two-digit answer. There is a mud pit filled with hundreds of bolas with numbers on them. Find the numbers you need to answer your three questions in the mud pit. Get them put up on your board. Once it's right, run all six numbers to the finish line, and you win. The producers, they start off by rubbing it in Nelson's face that he hasn't won a daily in literally forever, which Devin later on helpfully says is 51 straight dailies to be exact. Shout-out challenge stats. Who deserved a shout-out on this? episode for the fact this was brought up that many times. Anyways, the actual competition is hard to follow who's winning, but after Nelson gets his own age wrong and misses his first check, it's rookie Johnny and Raven who take the lead and ultimately the win at the house. They must decide four pairs to bring into interrogation and wanting to stay rookie strong, they decide on Laurel and Jack, Devin and Tori, Kayla and Sam, and Colleen and Kim, the latter of which in hopes of throwing off the whole all-rookie scent thing. Two-on-two conversations are had with all the teams, Jack reveals Colleen's lies to Johnny and Raven, and her very half-hearted deals are made all around. Then we go to the bar, where Olivia maybe has eyes for Nelson, or just likes to flirt. Who knows? Either way, Nelson's in love with her. Chauncey and Amber are the cutest. Laurel and Jack are like siblings, and Johnny and Raven are scheming up a plan. At the house, the rookies, plus Jay and Amber, chat about forming a super alliance versus the super vets, and these new kids look set to take over the game. We go to the zone, where eliminations are to be played. Johnny and Raven select Sam and Kayla to go in, thinking they have saved the other three, but TJ has different plans. The remaining three pairs participate in the draw. As Devin and Tori and Laurel and Jack pull blank daggers out, they think they're safe until the final team, Colleen and Kim, pull a dagger that says literally safe on it. And they get to pick the other team to save, thus picking the team to go in versus Kayla and Jack. It's the double cross from Dirty 30 all over again. They save Laurel and Jack wanting to help another rookie and Tori and Devin are going in. The two pairs then play You Move, I Move. A giant maze with five balls in the center. Each person stands on their own platform and has to shift their body weight to move that platform and thus move the maze itself. Maneuver your maze and thus your five balls into the hole at the end of that maze first and win. Married couple Sam and Kayla, they struggle to communicate or get a rhythm. Meanwhile, Team Dave, a.k.a. Tori and Devin, are cool, calm, collected, and dare I say, cocky throughout the whole thing and absolutely smoke it. They stay in the game. Sam and Kayla's honeymoon in a challenge house is short-lived as they head home. But before we can leave, before they can leave the zone, TJ announces that he, of all people, should be the least trusted in the game and brings in none other than Nani and Bananas to enter the game next week. Oh boy, that was a lot to cover there. A lot went down in this episode. And as for talking about storylines, it's the premiere episode. There's a whole lot going on. So we're just going to walk through the episode segment by segment and give some opinions about a couple different things. Because there isn't, you know, there is an overarching storyline here of the rookies uprising, so to speak. But really, we got to break down each little segment of this. There were so many good things going on, so many things worth talking about. So let's go segment by segment and talk about a couple of the most important decisions of the episode and a couple of the most fun moments of the episode, shall we? 
Kicking it off, the episode opens, they're all on a boat. They're all on two boats. We specifically see two boats next to each other, and then suddenly we only ever get footage or conversations that happen on one of those two boats, which seems very weird. I do not have any idea why that is or why we were only allowed to see footage from one of the two boats. Maybe the other boat, they didn't have a good time. They didn't have any fun. They didn't literally say anything. Maybe they literally didn't say anything. I don't know. But also maybe those other six players that aren't in the game were there and over on the other side and they saw them because as we're going to say later on it seems like some of them maybe knew certain people would eventually be there more on that later i've got to say while the boats are cool great visual it was fun uh, I do miss the days of them all going directly to the elimination arena and TJ greeting them, telling them the game, explaining you know at least something about it, saying hello, and then sending them off to the house. I would love to see the boat days, as many boat days as you can get, the better, but I would love to see that come later. I kind of miss the classic TJ introduction of the game. It felt a little odd that the first time we saw him and seemingly maybe they saw him was at the first day daily challenge it just feels like I was I missed something there like maybe they filmed something and didn't didn't show us I digress the only thing worth talking about really from the boat is the fact that turbo is already having problems we saw this in the trailer we kind of that made me kind of assume anything in the trailer for the season I assume is going to happen in the first two episodes it usually seems to be as close to that as they can other than very glimpses of anything else but anything substantial like turbo on a boat saying I'll see all of you in an elimination. We see that in the trailer. I expect we're going to see that early on. But also, I was like, holy cow, how can this be the first scene? How can this be the first interaction all of you are having as a group? In Turbo, you're already getting super upset at someone and threatening to go into elimination over and over versus everyone there because Laurel, who is 30 feet above you on a different part of this yacht, it didn't get you a glass of champagne? Um, yeah, uh, not... Not totally getting uh, what's going down here, but Turbo, you got to calm down. Not the last time we will say that about him this episode. We move then. They go to the house. We get to the house. They all have their little time on the boat. Part of me thinks maybe that time on the boat wasn't was after they got to the house. I don't know. The editing seems so weird. It just, again, it seemed weird that we started on the boats, but we only saw one of the boats, and then they were at the house, and it seemed like they knew each other on the boats. I don't know. Anyways, we're at the house now. That's how the episode goes. We find out Jay and Johnny are buddies outside of the game. That's a big thing. That is a big element that we don't know coming in that now we know, and that influences what we know about possible alliances in this game. That obviously pays off already within this episode later on, but it's a key thing to know outside of the game. Those two are buddies, and as we'll talk about later, there's a third member of that little buddy group. Then we get Casey, who clearly openly knows that Nani is coming. We get Casey not only mentioned to Tori, like it's weird not having Nani here, and then does the the confessional where it's like, why are you showing us this? No one's being that bad of a liar here. Casey's like, you know, can you bring Nani already? Where's Nani? Why isn't Nani here? And like, you two live together. Like, you're dating, you live together, you're connected at the hip. Like, you went into quarantine for the challenge together. You knew you knew that each other were going on the season. Don't act like you don't. You know that Nani is there. You know that it, you might not know why Nani isn't literally there in the house yet, but you know Nani is there, and you know Nani has agreed to go on the show with Johnny Bananas. They know She knows that. I would assume almost everyone in the house knows that. They all, as we find out later, know about casting spoilers as much as the rest of us do as well. So we get that. Then... Nelson gives the toast. Bananas isn't there. Nehemiah from All Stars isn't there. Derek Kaczynski isn't there. Who's going to give the toast? Someone's got to give the toast, and I would have had my money on the betting man himself, Devin. I thought for sure this was a moment for Devin, or I thought for sure Fessy out of nowhere would be like, no, I got this, but no. I should have known. Of course it's Nelson. He's the most super vet of the vets in the house at this point. And yeah, he's just, what a guy. He's Nelson. Of course he's going to be the one told, hey, get up on that chair, give a little toast, and it is fantastic. I think it's Nelly Toast. Nelly T. Toast, let's go. <laughs> get on the chair, Nelly, Nelly T. Get around. Nelly T. Get, toast. Gather around, people. Oh, Everybody hear ye, hear ye. If you made it here, 
We are here to play. But can you really play? We will find out as the game begun. But has it really begun? Yes, it has. Put the mother break in the air and let's go! I just love Nelson so much. So much to talk about Nelson this episode. Speaking of, we then get the love triangle introduction. We get Johnny, whose partner is Raven. Raven and Johnny, clearly from the first confessional, we know they have a complicated relationship. They seem like the just prototypical on-again, off-again. They like each other, but maybe they shouldn't be together, but they also most of the time want to be together, and then one of them wants to be together, and the other doesn't, and then it flips. It's complicated. I just That's all I got, all the vibes I got from them. But then it's even more complicated because we find out while they may not be together at this moment, they may have feelings, but Johnny has new feelings for someone brand new because we get the whole backstory that on the plane ride over, Johnny met Narice, Nelson's rookie partner, Narice, and Johnny and Narice, they fell in love on the plane. They started making out in front of everyone. We get a hilarious little, you know, they put the pictures of them on a plane. It's all, it looks really silly, but it, it totally worked on me. It looks great. Love it. Everything about it. And uh, so now Johnny and Narice, they were making out on the plane. Now they're making out hard in the house. Now they got a little romance going on. And Raven doesn't know how to feel about that. And she consoles in Nelson, you know, which makes sense. Uh, Narice's partner, if you don't know, Johnny and Nelson, they know each other from outside the game as well. So this this just makes perfect sense. And Nelson would be the ideal person for Raven to go to in this moment and kind of talk it out. The only thing is, I don't know if you watching noticed this, but I noticed something about that conversation. While Raven was was you know putting herself out there, being vulnerable, sharing her feelings, sharing how how this situation was affecting her, Nelson had that look of like, I'm right here. Oh yeah, he he found he found my partner. Why why don't why don't I why don't me and you? It, it it just struck me all of a more sincere version of back the worst finalist ever and John A on X's two when their partners started hooking up. They didn't know how to feel about it, so they're like, we should hook up. That was a non sincere version of this. What I thought was a sincere. I true the all I could see. The only notes I took were Nelson's face says it all. I feel like Nelson has fallen for this girl, realizing well those two are together. We could be together. You seem great. I'm great. Come on. He does not try to say anything of that nature. And later on in the episode, he would actually say that maybe he was in love, jokingly, kind of with someone else on the cast. So. That that's all good. We've got a love triangle, a lot a love square, rectangle, whatever you want to be. I reference Johnny and Nelson know each other from outside the game. That is very important because we've already found out Johnny and Jay know each other and her buddies outside the game. We also know, or I know, I don't know if you follow them, you know as well, Nelson and Jay are buddies outside of the game. I also know the Johnny is good buddies with Jeremiah from Spies, Lies, and Allies, and Jeremiah is really good buddies with Corey, Nelson's BFF. So put that all together. Johnny, Nelson, and Jay, they're buddies outside of this game. They, they're they part of a little bit of a tight-knit crew of recent people who have been on this show and a couple long-term ones, and, you know, Corey and Nelson. So those three, I already coming in was like, oh, Nelson and Jay, they're going to work together. They're friends outside of the show. That's good. They don't really have anyone else in the house. Now we find out one of the rookies and one of the good rookies, as we're about to find out, is also boys with them. That creates a very interesting and possibly powerful dynamic in the house. Final thing we get at that house the next day, then a little daytime soak in the hot tub, Fessy and Colleen. Fessy, my guy, always after it. What a great challenge cast member, huh? Just the best. Day one, Fessy's there. His boy Josh, not there. His girl, Casey, no longer there now. Been kicked out of the house. We've got what I always wished for. A season with Fessy, without Josh, without Casey, can be judged independently on his own. And based off of my Instagram poll earlier today, no one is willing or wanting to join Team Fessy over here with me, the Fessy fan club for life. But I say again, this man is perfect for this show. He knows what he's doing. He immediately is like, all right, let's find a cute rookie and uh, maybe invite her to the hot tub. In the morning, why not? That's when no one else is in there. I can get some alone time with the rookie. That's great. He and her, Colleen, that is, they do not have the same definition of the law of attraction, which was a wonderfully hilarious little moment between them that I couldn't tell who was being 
the one that didn't understand the other one. If it was purposeful that Fessy knew he wasn't saying the same thing and it just wasn't the smoothest delivery of the line he was maybe trying to deliver. But anyways, enough about that. The thing that worth talking about is the fact that Colleen lies about being on the mole. And that's a bad move because people can do their homework. It's not that hard. And Jack did, we turns out. Jack finds out because guess what? He just like the rest of the cast, just like anyone listening, we can follow the Gamer Vavs, the Pink Roses, all the Challenge T accounts of the world. We can get all the casting spoilers. We can know when calls are going out. That stuff is public information because of these spoiler accounts. I do not understand why production allows them. Obviously, maybe, I guess not even obviously. I don't know who's behind those accounts, but they give us everything you want. If you're someone who wants the spoilers, you want to know what happens the moment it actually happens in real time. You can know months in advance every elimination, who wins, who's casted, anything like that. I stay away from it except for the casting part. I like knowing the casting as it's happening in momentum. Those things matter to me, and I don't feel like they take away from them the season and actually watching and being surprised. But anyways... Everyone can know that, including the cast members themselves, and then they can know where did these people come from. They can do their homework, and Jack did. So this lie blows up or is about to blow up in Colleen's face later on, probably next episode. But it's a bad move overall because you should know that everyone's going to find out. And ultimately, I don't. I get where, where she's coming from. She doesn't say this, but it seems pretty obvious. She's kind of you know implied. She didn't want to say she was on the mole and she was the mole because that implies the show I come from was where I had to lie to everyone and be sneaky as shit to win the money. Literally, that was my casting, my job on the show was I was the one that lied to everyone and I did so good that I won. That makes you suspicious. That makes you a threat. I get it. I get why you want to say that. But I feel like there's this positive spin to put on that of just like, yeah, when I got casted, I went in and they told me, you're it. You're the mole. You get to be the one. And like, what else was I supposed to do? And uh, also, I don't think that supersedes the fact that they're a rookie, rookie pair. They're from Germany, which means that they don't really have, they don't know any of these people. They're not in the same kind of reality circle. So they don't even have, you know, some of these other rookies and rookie, rookie pairs, especially have connections to other people in the house just from being kind of in the same world, in the same circles and whatnot. They don't, although maybe I didn't even think about it ahead of time, but like, Maybe they got something with Nam and Emmy. We do got a little influx from Germany here between those two teams. So maybe, maybe, maybe. But overall, I think there's a positive spin to having been on the mole. And I ultimately don't think it was going to hurt her much at all. It was definitely a bad move to say and lie about it. Moving on to the daily challenge. Casey and Kenny are now just out, I guess. We find out Casey and Kenny are out. Uh, TJ references, these are crazy times. I assume this means Casey and Kenny, one of them tested positive for COVID. That can, I would, I don't see how anything else would happen. Um, I, I don't know what the COVID protocols of this season were. Um, I don't know if this means they got symptomatic in the house and they had to test everyone and just them test positive. I have no idea, but somehow they're not there. And in their place comes two teams, which makes no sense at all. Um, before we get to the two teams, We also, the other thing that doesn't make sense, Casey's going to be in this show more, and I would assume Kenny is too. I think we've seen both of them in the trailer multiple times competing in things that we haven't seen yet. Um, And so unless they skipped a daily challenge or two and just started with this one and didn't tell any of us, which I don't see how that could possibly have happened, we we're going to get Casey back at some point. Does that mean someone gets hurt and she and he come back in as replacements now that they've tested negative? I have no idea, but this is going to get confusing. I can already tell. Anyways, they leave two teams come in, which makes it even more confusing. It's not just someone got kicked off. So now here's the replacement. It's how did they decide on two teams? Did they just not have the heart to pick one of the two teams who were the alternates in quarantine, just waiting to possibly get to enter. Did they, were they so confident? Hey, no one else will get like hurt or sick or anything. So like we can use all of our alternates right now. I have no idea. This, it makes no sense. It's confusing. I would love to hear some, this is one of many, 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 many production questions. I would love to know the answer to the game itself. Let's move to the daily challenge itself. Really, really solid. There's no wrestling like the preview kind of implies almost. You're like, oh, first one, there's a bunch of balls in a mud pit. They're all running into it. It's, you know, classic mud wrestling musical chair style thing. It was not. I'm actually totally fine with that. I'm totally good with this version of it. 
Really enjoyed it. Led to some good laughs. Led to a close competition. I had no idea who was winning at any given time, but ultimately that's probably okay too. Nelson's daily challenge streak. 51 straight losses, now 52. They rub it in his face multiple times. It has become an official storyline on the season. He knows about it. Production's asking him about it. Devin knows the exact number. Other people know it. This is... It's hilarious, yes, but this is something that feels very hilarious and fun when Challenge Stats keeps us updated about it at Challenge Stats. Shout out Challenge Stats again. When they keep us updated about it, like online and outside of in the show itself, now that they're all like talking about it in the show, I don't know if I love this or hate this because I just love Nelson so much that I don't, I don't want him every single daily challenge this season to be asked by a producer, how many has it been in a row? Are you going to win today? Although maybe it'll make it that much better when hopefully, fingers crossed, let's have him break the streak this season. That would be great. Let's let's actually let's have him go deep in the season, get to 60 without winning, and then win the 61st. I like big round numbers, or maybe 55. 55 feels good. So he's at 52. Let's lose the next three and then win the one after that. Get some power to middle of the road in the game. That's what I want to see for my guy Nelson. Also, Nelson would have won this, would have ended the streak. But he gets his own age wrong. He doesn't know his own age, I guess. that That's what they implied. He says more or less that, that he got his age wrong. Devin says, did you really get that wrong? That's a tough break, bro. Uh, yeah, that's tough, tough break, bro. Uh, you've got 51 losses in a row, and now you got 52 because you didn't know what age you were. Anyways, uh, he's not the only one. Chauncey at one point, shout out to uh, Alan Aguirre, uh, Aguirre. I never know how to pronounce the last name. I believe it's Aguirre. Yeah, Alan Aguirre. Why am I double? Why am I questioning myself on someone's name that I know? Alan Aguirre over at Medium Caffeine Confessionals, the whole thing, uh, tweeting during the episode, caught a screen grab of Chauncey counting the letters in Amber's name off of her shirt itself, which, you know, double checking your work. I love it. That's great. Pretty incredible catch by Allen and screen grab in, just really funny. So Nelson wasn't the only one maybe struggling with adding and knowing names and ages of their own selves and their partners. But this really comes down to two teams, Jay and Michelle, Raven and Johnny. Johnny and Raven get the win just by a little bit over Jay and Michelle. And I've got to say, well, yes, rookies winning is great. And this one works out fantastic and sets us up for some really juicy storylines, episode one and beyond. I feel like it's actually would have been even more interesting. It would have went from like a B plus A minus to like a full blown A possibly if Jay and Michelle win, given the conversations that happen after this and given the knowledge of Jay and Johnny being boys and Jay and Nelson being boys. And eventually we see Jay, Nelson or Jay, Amber and Johnny and some other rookies talking rookies plus, you know, outcast vets. If Jay and Michelle would have been the ones to have to day one, episode one, daily challenge one, elimination number one, take the shot of being like, you know what? We're a vet vet team, technically, but y'all vets don't really ride with us. We're riding with them and really announce this thing. That would have just ratcheted things up even, even more. But I love how it turned out. Rookie pairs winning. The love triangle is in the power seat now. It's all great. Let's move back to the house. Deliberation. And that is where Johnny does go. In fact, Johnny and Raven together build that rookie and outcast vet alliance, which, as I just referenced, fuck yes. This should happen every single season, and it almost never does. I take that back. It should happen every single season where it's available to happen, which is most of the recent seasons. This should have happened on Spies, Lies, and Allies. This should have happened possibly even on Double Agents. And it never even got close. There was kind of an inkling of it, Spies, Lies, and Allies, like shout out Corey or Kells or Michaela for giving it a shot, uh, kind of. But it didn't ever happen. And now one of them wins power day one, and they decide we're going to use it. They build this coalition, and I say, hell yes, this makes for the most interesting show. This should happen more often. And not only is it seemingly happening right before our eyes, but... It feels like this one has a real shot at lasting because we do have four rookie rookie pairs, none of which seem to have super strong connections to anyone in the house because of, you know, the show they were on before or outside relationships, except for Johnny, who is the one leading all this. So we know he's in with it. 
But when you're talking about Kim and Colleen, they're like, we have no one to work with. Well, we, we'd work with that for sure. Tommy and Annalise, yeah, they're big brother, but I didn't hear anything from them that was like, we're, you know, like Casey and Fessy are gonna, and Amber are going to be our people. I didn't hear anything like that. And then who am I missing here? Who am I missing here? Who am I missing here? I don't remember who the other rookie, rookie, oh, Olivia and Horacio, who also no seemingly no connections to anyone else. So we got four rookie, rookie pairs. That's big numbers already, four teams. Then you got Jay and Michelle. You got Nelson and Narice. You got Amber and Chauncey. That's seven pairs in a game with at the end of this episode, even when Johnny and uh, Johnny Bananas, that is, and Nani enter the house, we're at 13 pairs. So they've got seven out of 13. They have the majority. This could work. I hope this works. It'll make... It could make for great TV. I hope it half works. I hope it works and they stick to it, but it kind of goes one for the other because I don't want the end of the season to just be all of the those seven pairs at the end of the season. means we lose a lot of big, interesting names early in the season, and I don't want to wholly want that, but I want some of that to happen. And so far, so good. Now, biggest question they got, though, can they stick together when not in power? Can they also win power again? Could they possibly, really, it comes down to, they won the first one, that's huge, but can they win two of the next three? They don't have to win the second one. One of them might end up in there. One of them might end up going home. That's okay. But can they win two of the next three and get the number and stick to the plan and get the numbers fully on their sides? If they win two of the next three, they have seven out of 13. Now, they take lose one, they lose two. Now, we're at six out of 10. You keep the numbers on your side. Yes, other teams are going to come in and it's going to shift it and ruin this more often than not. So really, that means that they have to win every single one of these. They need someone in that alliance, one of the rookie rookie pairs or Michelle and Jay, Amber and Chauncey, Nelson and Norris to win. Obviously, Nelson and Norris ain't going to do it. I think Amber and Chauncey and Jay and Michelle have the chance to win any daily out there. So this could happen. Now, the final thing here before we head to the bar in the zone is in all their negotiating who they decide to put in, Johnny and Raven, that is, they decide Colleen and Kim should be one of the four teams because they don't want to, you know, they want to throw people off the scent of this rookie revolution thing, which I say absolutely dumb move. Absolutely doesn't, pointless, doesn't matter. You're only risking one of your rookie, rookie numbers, and that's it because you don't know what the rules are yet. You don't know who's going to end up in there no matter who you pick. And the, the fact that you put one other rookie, rookie pair in there and you didn't pick them, doesn't throw anyone off the scent. They see what you're doing. They're like, okay, you're clearly going for vets. You eventually pick a vet and her husband, who is a rookie, but kind of feels like a vet because he's married to a vet. And then, you know, they end up going against another vet, vet pair. You put Tori and Devin of all people in the four that you're picking from. You put Laurel of all people in the four you're picking from. It's clear what you're doing. So don't risk one of your numbers. That other team should have been, uh, I, I don't even really know, Turbo, I guess. Uh, that would have been hilarious yeah and then just turn turbo against you and the other vets aren't even that scared i don't know but putting colleen and kim in there wasn't really worth it we go to the bar they get to go out for real that's amazing hell yeah they get to go to a real place that's not on the property and it looks like they have a good time the crowd surfing of tommy is fun everyone seems to be having fun having dances there's at least like a couple actual alcoholic drinks being passed around that's nice nelson is in love already after three sentences from olivia even though I thought he might have been in love with Raven because Raven was just sharing some emotions with him. So I don't know what Nelson's going to do, but clearly the man still, as he says, looking for love in all the wrong places. Here's hoping he finds it, and it's great. Love him. Love everything about the bar night. It was all good stuff. Jack, that is what I want to talk about from the bar night, though, is Jack. He's going to be exceptional television. He's already proving in one episode to be exceptional television. He and Laurel together are to die for. They are perfect, as we find out here. They consider each other siblings. They're on that level of friendship. Love that for them. Love that for us, the viewer. Because Jack, not only do we find out he does his, did his homework, love that, taking this very serious, amazing, but he also is just witty and funny in the confessional booth. He's very, and he, he matches Laurel in a great, great way as far as just what I'm looking for from that team being a unified front, both as a power in the game, as a power in the confessional booth, as a power in TV gold that could be made. I loved everything from Jack. At the bar, at the house, the whole episode, they're great. I think Jack and Laurel are gonna possibly be 
you know, they're they're threat they're already threatening to be the star pair, the star rider dies of the entire season. Let's head to the final part of the episode then. The zone. The double cross is back. The double cross is back. It's the best. TJ with one of his better fake outs. Maybe I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to just off the cuff say best. I'm better than that. I don't get hyperbolic like that. I'm not going to say that. But an incredibly great twist slash execution of a twist. Double fake, fake out from TJ. Loves to do them. Nails this one by calling it the draw. Saying the draw. Having everyone think Okay, we did the draw before. That's where you you take one out, and if you get the wrong one, you're going in. Everyone remembers this from Free Agents. Laurel's down there in it. She was on Free Agents in the original draw where they had it. So that's what everyone thinks. They pull the first two. There's nothing on them. He says, those are blank. Go ahead and step back. They think, hooray, we did it, Colleen and Kim. Ha <laughs> ha, rookie, rookie pair after all is going in, and no. Flawless execution. They pull the one that says the word safe, and it is, in fact, not the draw, but the double cross from Dirty 30. And if you listened to my 100 takes for the 100th podcast episode back about a month ago, almost already at this point, one of my many takes, one of the ones I was most certain about, was that one of the greatest twists of all time, greatest format elements of all time, was the double cross, that it worked beautifully, it was wonderful, back on Dirty 30, and that I wanted it back in the game. We've got it back in the game. What a choice. What execution on the first one. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And secretly, without being said in this episode, it was implied because we saw it, but never said out loud, as I'm sure it's going to be in the future, so much power with the winning couple now because not only are you picking one team to go in, you're also picking the other three that are possibly could, and it could only be them, at least for now. We don't know. TJ will probably change the rules a bunch of times, but for the time being, you're ba- you're picking the two teams that are going in. You're picking four teams, two of which are going to go in. That's an incredible amount of power for winning the Daily Challenge. That's pretty wild. I absolutely love it. And as Jay says here, the double cross, you put a bunch of friends down there, standing down there together, and now you're able to make them all have to call each other out, which is going to be perfect. And hopefully other people in the house realize the exact way to maneuver this by doing just that. You win a daily challenge. You put four teams down there, but you put three teams that are the closest friends you can think. And then whatever the fourth one you put in there, you're picking that one. So that the other three friends stand there and have to do the double cross together. I cannot wait. Here's the hope, and it's not Johnny Nelson and Jay that end up down there doing that together. There's no good pick for Colleen and Kim. Colleen and Kim are now safe. They have to pick between Laurel and Jack and Devin and Tori. It's not like one of these picks is way better than the other is going to help them long-term in the game any better than the other. I think that they make the right choice by deciding, you know what, there is one rookie of these four people that's Jack. So, you know, we'll go ahead and just in solidarity with the kind of rookie thing that's going, seems to be happening right here. We'll put the one vet vet pair in there. That's great. That's, you know, that's again, there's no good choice. It's not going to totally help them, but it's the best choice of two not so good ones and them being in that decision, but they're safe and that's all that matters. And unbeknownst to them, they are doing a favor to the people who know Colleen was lying and have started to tell other people they're lying. And as Jack says, hmm, maybe they're going to be back on my good side now. So that secretly is also very helpful for them. The game that is played, it is absolutely fantastic. I really, really loved this game. You move, I move, giant maze, five balls on it. You stand next to the maze on individual platforms and each of you moves your body weight left to right and you're each moving the board one way up or down. Try to get all five balls through the maze into the holes first to get all five wins. Really incredible. I just love the design of this. I think it's really fun. I think it looks cool. And I think it's a great test of partners having to do something together. Everything about it's great. Backing up momentarily from the game itself. Devin, don't joke with Turbo, man. Don't joke with Turbo. Devin, what are you doing? Okay, it's sharp. It's a real dagger. Turbo, don't get any ideas. Daggers stay in the zone. What do you mean, brother? Hey, what do you mean? What do you mean? I was Can kidding. you explain, man? Yes, I'm, it's just what? a joke. Because you're good what at martial arts. joke? Because you're good at martial arts. Tori partner, level to pussy chicken. When you're afraid, and then you doesn't have an honor, so this is the level up. 
pussy, pussy chicken. If you're worse than pussy chicken, level two. And then Devon is a level two pussy chicken. I apologize. Good. If I was a bird, I know who I would on, you know? Old challenger. I trust the new challenger more than old challenger. Rather you go home today. All right, next up. Like, seriously, what? WTF? A level two pussy chicken? Like, what? what is going on, Turbo? Like, what really, what is going on, Challenge Production? I know Turbo won the hardest elimination there's ever, or the hardest, the hardest final there's ever been. It's amazing. He's a Challenge Champion. I know War of the Worlds won. It all went great with Turbo. But on War of the Worlds 2, it started to not go so great. And uh, I just can't believe that they've brought him back, but like his good friends, Cara Maria and Polly can't come back, but we can bring him back. And then we can put this on camera, uh, whatever this was. I, I don't know. But uh, Devin was quick to apologize and quick to be like, oh, uh, it's a joke. You, you do martial arts, which is impressive. It was a joke. There was no, it was not dishonoring you or disgracing you or anything like that. Uh, can't wait to see Devin and Turbo's next conversation at the start next week when they're back in the house. Moving on, speaking of Devin and Tori, they're a little bit cocky, huh? Uh, they deserve to be in the end. Uh, they they play well, but they're, they're, they don't seem nervous. They play it off incredibly well that they're not nervous at all to go into this elimination. They're competent from the start. They seem to openly like kind of joke with each other as they're first on their platforms, like starting to move, which... I don't know if this is the two of them, you know, knowing like this is just how we interact with each other the best and how we keep each other calm. I don't know if it's cockiness. I don't know if they're just both so good at television at this point and know like, hey, we got to be like the TV stars of this. Like we are kind of like the faces of this. Like they're, you know, look around at the cast we got standing here. Like it's on our backs a little bit here. So like let's ham it up for the cameras. Either way, I think I love it. Uh, as you know, if you listen to this for a long time, I love Devin. I love Tori. I love them together. I picked them to win this season. And I was sweating a little bit when they got thrown in there, but really not that much. This seemed extremely up their alley. Tori, happy to be like, Puzzle, I'll do whatever you tell me, Devin. They both have good balance, coordination, communication. They nail it. They smoke it. Sam and Kayla, on the other hand, they do not. Sam and Kayla were great fun this whole episode. I haven't really mentioned them yet. They were great fun. Their banter, their back and forth. I know you were only there a couple days. Sam, I hope you got a couple of those sexual favors out of the way for keeping your mouth shut before it was too late because now the honeymoon's over. And I have to say, as much as that would obviously, you know, would it stinks to go home first. Uh, for Sam especially, I'm sure he's like, damn it, I finally got to do this thing I really wanted to do. It's so cool. I trained for it, the whole thing, and now I'm going home. Like, what the hell? But... They were wonderful. I think, I don't know, you tell me, message me on Instagram and let me know if you agree. They were really, really fun this episode. I really liked them. I liked the confessionals. I liked them kind of talking shit about people together. I liked everything about them. And I feel like if we would have got that same thing though for three, four, five plus episodes, it would have got old real quick and we maybe wouldn't have liked it. So maybe they actually got out with like a positive approval rating by leaving before it could get a little tired or a little annoying. I don't know. You tell me that's just kind of how I was feeling about it. So I know it sucks to go home first, but I feel like people are going to have a positive opinion of the two of them and think they're fun and quirky and awesome, which they very much probably are. But I think that the whole like, we're the married couple in the challenge house, maybe as a storyline, not at their fault, but because of maybe the editing and how it would have went, might have gotten old real quick. And so them going home early probably you know sucks for them, but maybe helps their approval rating, their Q score. And then the final thing of the episode, Bananas and Nani are here. Of course, they're going to lead. If they're not going to introduce them all at the one time, they're going to lead with Bananas and Nani. That makes perfect sense. Um, they're, they're the best competitively of the three teams so they can, you know, hang. They don't need as big of an advantage coming in later and later. It's bananas reentering the challenge. It's Nani and, you know, Casey was supposed to be there and she's not there at this moment. She'll eventually be there. They'll end up in the house together at some point. So my only question with this though, is are we just doing one episode at a time? Is that how this is going to be? How's this going to work? Um, do they just get to join the game straight away? They are in their full like uniforms, like they're ready to compete, is there going to be some sort of competition? Uh, I doubt it. There, That would make no sense. And if they did, that would mean they 
every time each as they're introduced, they would all win based on the trailer and seeing all of these people competing in more than just an elimination. Um, so yeah, we're getting one per episode. It looks like I would bet all of my money then that next week is Darrell and Veronica and that they're saving Jordan for last, literally last, as we I think we see in the trailer, Anissa comes in without him and then Jordan comes in last, last, shakes everything up. Obviously, Bananas and not Bananas and Nani know that those other ones are in the waiting. They can keep a secret. They're professionals. They're, you know, 31 seasons deep between them. So that's that. Uh, very excited to see how they are integrated into the game. Very excited to get everyone into the game. This means, though, barring other, you know, COVID things or injuries or anything like that, uh, we're not losing a pair for two more full episodes. We'll lose someone next week. We'll gain one. We'll lose someone the week after. We'll gain one just like we lost someone but gained one here. And ultimately, in the end of the day, we lost two teams, gained three this episode. So we're actually going up in teams, not down. We'll stay at the same in the next two episodes. That gives us plenty to talk about, plenty of possible storylines. I think they've really figured something out with this one. Let's talk awards, shall we? We've got best quote, best moment, episode MVP to give out. We've covered it all extensively here, so now let's go through quick and hand out the hardware. We start with best quote. First episode, you expect a lot. You expect a lot of good confessionals. People have been sitting, thinking, what's the witty thing I can say? How can I introduce myself as a rookie? All of that. Everyone's coming in with something to say, and... We got pretty good quotes and confessionals this episode. Decent enough. I expect more, though. I think this season could, uh, they've got a lot of good people, a lot of people who are going to compete for that Dan Renzi Award for Confessional King or Queen of the Season. But this episode, we got some real good ones. Six make it as nominees. First off, dual nominee for partners Olivia and Horacio. Their disagreement over leading with honesty, playing the honesty card in the challenge house. Some of the things that I admire about Horacio is definitely his willpower, and he's very talented, and he's very athletic, and he's cutie pie. Hello, America. Slide in the DMs. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like coming into this game, I want to play the most honest game possible. The idea of going into it with the honesty card is so cute for us. Um, it's just not going to be realistic for the game in the long run. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. If you listen to my launch special recap, you know Olivia already has a Best Quote Award under her belt. She's coming for that Dan Renzi Award, coming in hot to start the season. She gets a joint nominee to start us off. Then we got Jack, who doesn't think Johnny and Raven are smart, but he thinks he is. I feel like you guys are smart enough. Not smart enough, but like, you guys know what the f*** you're doing. Yeah. I'm kind of gassing Raven up, you know, like I'm just like saying, you're so smart, you're gonna make the right decision. Do I think they're smart? No. Do I know what I'm saying is smart? Yes. I want them to spare me. Then, we already played it for you before, so we're not gonna play it again uh, here, but Turbo calling Devin a level two pussy chicken is... It was a quote. It was definitely a quote that stood out. It deserved at least getting nominated. Let's move to the fourth one. And that's where TJ Lavin comes in himself. TJ coming in hot episode one. He's just really, I mean, he came out of his shell a long time ago. Obviously, you know, maybe even all the way back in the literally first season on the gauntlet way, 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 way long ago. But it feels like maybe TJ in a different animal like analogy is like, shed a couple skins recently, you know, like a reptile or snake or something would do. And now is, you know, he's not coming out of his shell, but he's, you know, he's constantly re being reborn. He's constantly getting comfortable in different ways. And every season, the last four or five seasons, I feel like across all stars, USA flagship, everything, he's just coming more and more with his own commentary. He's being asked to do a little more from the production side, you know, be a little bit, even more of a host than he already was a lot more ownership and it's all going great because TJ's the fucking man. And he's hilarious in the moment where they get to the elimination. And he sets the stage for Sam and Kayla and Devin and Tori and lets them know you don't want to be the first to, to the, 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 you don't want to be the first to lose. Losing team goes home empty-handed and the shame of being the first ones out. In a very huge game, going for your share of one million dollars. You gotta go home with the shame and broke. 
Got it. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Good luck, everyone. All right. Then we mentioned Devin moments ago. He and Tori, they know that some of you out there don't feel the same way I do. I love the two of them individually and together. They know not everyone does, and that might be because they can get super annoying, so they say. And guess what? They know it all too well. Come this uh, way, come this way, Dave. Um, other way, other way. Right? Other way. Dave, calm down. I'm freaking out. I need you to calm down. I need my mom. Devin and I call each other Dave because we were hungover one morning and I looked at him and I'm like, you look like a frat boy named Dave. And he was like, you look like a Dave. And for some reason, it's stuck. It's so stupid. And it's stuck. And also, like, if you're watching this and you're annoyed by us, just imagine how annoying it is to be us. <laughs> because we can never escape. I know. It's brutal. Fifth and final nominee then goes to TJ again. After the fact, after Sam and Kayla have left, he wishes them one thing on the way out. Kayla and your husband, Sam. Unfortunately, the love wasn't enough to get you through this game. I hope your marriage lasts way longer than your time in this game. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, take care of yourselves, and uh, hopefully we'll see you both in the future. Take care. Bye. Well, thankfully, TJ, we can report that they had been married a full three months before they came onto the show, and they only seemed to be there for about three days, give or take. So they already succeeded in that, and here's the hope in their marriage is long, forever, lasting, and filled with love and joy. They're wonderful. They're no longer there. As for quote of the week, it's a tough one, but you know, I'm going to have to go with my guy TJ. I mean, he got two nominees. This is a close battle. I don't put any of these really above the other ones. They're all deserving nominees. And since TJ gets two of them, we're just kicking things off. We don't want to give it to a rookie right away. We don't want to set that kind of stage. Devin and Tori, they're going to probably win this award plenty of times this season. So TJ, it is. That's the best quote. As for the best moment of the episode, we've got five nominees. We've got Turbo threatening everyone with elimination over a missing glass of champagne. Talked about that before. Hilarious Turbo, you got to calm down. And I've also Turbo... Turbo doesn't strike me as a champagne kind of guy. He feels like a, like, I drink whiskey straight. I drink, like, tequila or gin or vodka straight. He he strikes me as, like, I drink liquor straight if I'm drinking. That's all I do because I'm just intense and hardcore and a badass, which he is all those things. Uh, So why are you getting so messed up over a glass of champagne? I get it. You know, it's a respect thing. Anyways, that moment, real good. Real good starter. Second nominee, Nelson's Toast. We uh, played it for you before, won't have to do it again, but loved the toast, loved everything about it. So happy for Nelson to be the one to give, be given that spot. It's an honor to gain that spot in the house, and I'm glad it was bestowed upon Nelson. Third nominee, also Nelson, asking Nelson when he lost the Daily Challenge. Production actually asked him, when did you last win? Combine that with the end of their, the challenge where Nelson gets his age wrong. Devin knows it's 51 dailies in a row. If you just put all of the Nelson Daily Challenge stuff together and roll that into one moment, that is a nominee. Fourth nominee, Devin's joke gone wrong with Turbo. Covered it. Don't have to do it again. Fifth and final nominee. Of course, the big reveal at episode's end. Bananas and Nani coming in. Should say, this is a good moment. I haven't said it before. The soundtrack this episode, absolutely incredible. Some of the needle drops, perfect. Everything matched up super duper well. I loved the Fallout Boy song during the Bananas Nani reveal. I loved a bunch of the different songs they played throughout. The Steal My Sunshine at the end of the elimination with Kayla and Sam were eliminated. That was great. So many good songs during out throughout this entire episode. That was one of my favorites at the end and really set the stage for that reveal. But of those five moments, I got to give it to Nelly T. Got to give it to my guy, his toast. Loved it. So glad he got to give it. As for episode MVP, Nelson will be mentioned again. Let's just start with him. Obviously, he has a very impactful episode. He maybe fall, fell in love with two different women. He maybe is now a part of a love square with his partner and his buddy. And, you know, maybe now he's got eyes for his buddy's partner. Who knows? He got to give the toast. Uh, he should have won the daily challenge if he knew how old he was. 
Overall, he's a joy. He's a national treasure. Protect Nelson at all costs. Love, love, love Nelson. He makes the honorable mention list, as does TJ Lavin, as we covered, coming in hot, doing great stuff. His twist paid off wonderfully. He kept a straight face during all the great. It just all worked so well. He had a bunch of quotes. He had a bunch of great moments. His initial introduction at the beginning of the Daily Challenge was great. All in all, TJ, honorable mention as well. Tori and Devin. Tori and Devin, great get a lot of focus this episode. Obviously, they win the elimination at the end. All of that rolled into it. You've got an honorable mention for MVP. Same with Jay. Jay, very involved this episode. Uh, the most confessionals that from a non-winner this episode, from a non-daily or elimination winner this episode, that would be Jay. Uh, yeah, second only to Devin in confessionals in the episode. He had some good ones. And, you know, building that alliance, learning some different things about who he's friends with, where some of the vets lie with each other, almost winning the daily challenge. Jay was just an impact player in an episode. He really wasn't actually a part, you know, directly of like daily challenge, nominated elimination, anything like that, romances, whatever. Sam and Kayla, of course, great confessionals throughout. They're a focus. It's obvious throughout that uh, something's happening with them. And the moment they don't win the daily challenge, we're like, oh, they're going into elimination, aren't they? We've got a lot of focus on them. Uh, and just should be noted, uh, everyone online up in arms uh, over the challenge, you know, tweeting out the official challenge account, tweeting out Sam and Kayla, first married couple to be in the challenge house together. And everyone being like, no, 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 like you're wrong again. They are wrong a lot of times, but all the things that people are pointing out, Brad and Tori were engaged. Um, maybe they were actually married on Cutthroat. I don't think they're married quite yet at the time Cutthroat happens. I'll find out very soon. I'm doing that rewatch as we speak. Uh, but then some of the others they referenced were all engaged, fiancés and things. So it may have been right. Regardless, Sam and Kayla aren't there, but they are nominated for MVP, but they don't win the award. TJ, Tori, Devin, Nelson, Jay, Sam, Kayla, all honorable mentions. But the winner is the new Johnny. Johnny has come in and he's taken over the name the title is going to be hilarious now that Bananas is there. Thankfully, Bananas goes by Bananas. It won't be that hard, but will he be upset to have another Johnny spelled the J-O-H-N-N-Y, same as he spells? Who knows? But this Johnny came to play and came to absolutely shake up the house. He's building alliances. He's winning daily challenges. He's fallen in love. He's got a love triangle. He's got a partner in him that seemed like legit forces in this game based off of this first daily challenge and how they acted, and he is most importantly leading a real rookie revolution a real interesting subplot and alliance as much as this game is going to work against them because of the introduction of these super vets every single freaking week who's who's to say they can't keep the power who's to say one of the rookies can't you know always get that win for the next few weeks and actually see this thing through Either way you spin it, though, Johnny is certainly the episode MVP of episode one. What a start for the Rook. Final thing to do here, then, is our power rankings and predictions for next week. Let's talk power rankings, and I'm not going to be shy about it this season. No, no, no. No top three, no top five, no nothing like that. Full-blown rankings. Top to bottom. Who is in the best position in this game right now to make the final and then possibly win the final every week? We're updating it one through, in this case, 13, one through however many teams it is at any given week. Let's start. The only caveat is I am not placing Casey and Kenny on this list for now. We know they will re-enter the game at some point because we've seen that in all the trailer footage over and over, so we assume that is going to happen. We are not including Darrell and Veronica, Anissa, and Jordan yet. I will include them as they are introduced, but for now, they do, are not a part of the list. Bananas and Nani are because they were introduced at the end of the episode. Let's go here Bottom to top. Why not bottom to top? That'll be more fun, more suspenseful. Why not? At the absolute bottom, 13th, Colleen and Kim. I think they're the rookies uh, of the rookie-rookie pairs. They're in the most trouble. Um, as much I came into the season having them way higher. I had them the highest rookie-rookie pair. I have them as a finals pick. I still think that can happen. I hope that happens. I like them so far. I liked them coming in. 
But right now, I don't like the position they find themselves in. They were already down there as the one lone rookie, rookie representative as the kind of, you know, like, we got to throw them off the scent, wink, wink, uh, kind of thing. They've already lied and been caught in a lie or about to be caught in a lie. Don't love it. Number 12, Nam and Emmy. I don't, you know, Team Germany at the bottom here. Uh, maybe these Team Germany can, you know, because Nam can, he's the wild card in this whole uh, possible you know, super vets versus rookies and outcast vets alliance. Um, and if he gets into it, you know, Colleen and Kim are already there. They got a little sub Germany alliance within there. Regardless, I don't like where they're sitting, even the fact that they might be in the biggest alliance right now. So they're in 12, 11 turbo in Tamara, uh, who I think is, uh, contractually obligated to not speak this season. Cause it seems like turbo, demands to do all the speaking for those two when they're in the confessional booth together. Anyways, he obviously has got enemies. We know more coming. Him and Nani are about to not get along. So they're near the bottom right here. Tommy and Annalise, Olivia and Horacio, 10 and 9, and then Johnny and Raven, 8. As much as these rookies might be about to get the numbers, I don't trust it until I see a little bit more evidence. So for the time being, they're near the middle of the pack, still on the bottom half. Seventh place, Fessy and Mariah. Sixth place, Amber and Chauncey. I expect these two teams to be some of the hardest to beat in the daily challenges, to be some of the swing ones about when they probably win power, what they do with it, but I like them as teams, their ability to win anything and everything, dailies, eliminations, finals there, I say. They're in seventh and sixth. Nelson and Norris are in fifth. I think they're in the best position politically now, right now, between this rookie thing that's going on and a vet thing that's going on. They've got their feet in both of those and should be relatively safe in both of those. Fourth place, Laurel and Jack. Badass team. Love everything about them. Third place, Jay and Michelle. I think they also are going to have their feet in both sides. They could easily find themselves at the bottom of this list very quickly with one misstep. They're walking a tight wire right now, but that tight wire is up in third place in the power rankings, and if they don't fall off it, that's where they can remain. Second, Nani and Bananas, they just got here, and they're already at number two. They started the season going into the season at number one, so technically they've went down because in number one, Tori and Devin, my winner's pick for the season. They go into elimination. They win elimination episode one. I didn't think they'd go into a single elimination all season long, and they're already in there, but they're winning. They're proving their confidence, their trust in each other, their communication abilities. I I just I don't know who's going to beat them. I don't know who's going to beat them and what. Maybe, maybe, maybe if somehow they end up in a super physical elimination versus the wrong team, but even then, you know, yeah, there's a couple guys in the house that like if Devin had to go up against in a super physical elimination, it wouldn't be great, but like Tori would get to go up against the woman on that in that instance, and that's gonna then probably be a dead heat. So like I don't even see the small chance where there's this big Achilles heel out there of like get him in this elimination. I don't, I don't know who's going to beat them. I think they're going to, even if, you know, this rookie thing pans out and they and some of their friends are targeted, 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 I think they're going to be the ones that are the biggest beneficiaries and the biggest drivers of as these new vets enter the game, being like, yeah, come over here and let me tell you what's going on. And uh, Bananas, I know we don't like each other, but we're working together because we got to right here. Here's the situation. Casey... And Kenny come back in, boom, we got Casey back in our side. I think things might look trippy for a week or two for them, but this is the team to beat in my mind. Uh, I picked them for a reason. I didn't have them at the top of the power rankings initially. Now I do. Tori and Devin one, Nani Bananas two, Jane Michelle three, Laurel Jack four, Nelson Norris, Amber Chauncey, Fessy Mariah, Johnny Raven, Olivia Horacio, Tommy Annalise, Turbo Tamara, Namami, Colleen, and Kim, and then not ranked Casey, Kenny, Darrell, Veronica, and Nisa Jordan because they are not technically in the game at this point in time. As for predictions, we got the first out wrong. Uh, yeah, didn't say Sam and Kayla, so got that one wrong, 0 for 1. But the only ones that really matter from the preseason predictions, I'll, I'll update the others as they become true or incorrect, but every week we're just going to keep track of my finals picks, which were Bananas Nani, Michelle J, Colleen Kim, Tori Devin, Chauncey Amber, all five still here, still kicking. My winner's pick, Tori and Devin, still kicking. So far, so good. I made it through one episode unscathed. Hallelujah. As for next week, three predictions for next week's episode. I will try to do three every week for the following week. That would be next week. 
either a vet vet or a vet rookie where the vet is in total control pair will win the daily challenge. So either the vet vet team or a vet rookie where the vet is in total control. So that's, you know, to me, that's Tori and Devin, Nani and Bananas, Laurel and Jack, uh, and maybe Fessy and Mariah. I guess Amber is in control of her group but falls in the other part of this. What I'm trying to say is the rookie revolution is in for a rude awakening next week. The vets will get back at the rookies starting next week. That's happening. Number two, Darrell and Veronica are brought in. I feel like this is a pretty easy one. I think they're going to bring one in each week, the first three episodes, and I think Darrell and Veronica are going to go second. So maybe this is a bit of a layup of a prediction, but hey, trying to juice up my stats early on because I'm going to get most of these wrong all season long. And then third and final one, I think Nelson falls in love next week. I think it happens. I think it's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know with who. Could be anyone. Literally, could be anyone in the house, but uh, here's the hoping it goes well if that comes true. So, that's your predictions. Those are your awards, your power rankings, your stories, everything about episode one, Ride or Dies. I just, I will admit, I just almost said the word spies, lies, and allies instead of Ride or Dies. It's late. All right. Cut me some slack. Thank you, though. Cut you some slack. Thank you for being here all the way to the end of this podcast with me. I appreciate it. I love you for it. I hope you've enjoyed it. Come back next week to hear more Ride or Dies coverage. Cutthroat on Monday, as always, at Challenge Historian on Instagram. If you want to chop it up about the challenge, about this season, you think I missed something epic from this episode, you've got a storyline you see brewing that I'm not talking about you want to let me know about, or you just want to chat about your favorite challenger, your least favorite challenger, anything in between, hit me up at Challenge Historian on Instagram. It's a joy to talk to each and every one of you. It's a joy that anyone, each and every one of you listens to this pod. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Until we speak again, peace.